You're listening to Nowhere to Run with Chris White on the Revelations Radio Network. Hey everybody, welcome to Nowhere to Run. Thanks for tuning in to the show, however it is that you found the show. Whether it was through iTunes, Revelations Radio Network, Revere Radio Network, the Black Vault Radio Network, YouTube, Google searches, whatever. I'm really glad that you're here. And we're going to get started with some quick news stories. First, one that's been sweeping the internet and the blogosphere is the, uh, has the 2012 date been miscalculated? And they... This story has just been everywhere. It's basically talking about um, something called the Venus Table, which is found in the Dresden Codex, which is probably one of the oldest writings of the Mayans. It's sort of a uh, book, I guess you could say. And one of the parts of that book is something called the Venus Table, where it shows different, um, um, I guess you would call modes of Venus. That's probably a terrible astronomical term, but... and. It's helpful in, in lining up the uh, Mayan calendar with the Gregorian calendar, the calendar that we use. And of course, as I've mentioned in a few different places, the Mayan calendar didn't do anything with leap years, and so it was not a very accurate calendar. And because of that problem, there is a little bit of difficulty in lining up exactly where we are in that calendar. So anyway, I'm going to read this story here from one of them from the International Business Times, and we are going to discuss it afterwards. It says, uh, The correlation of the ancient Mayan calendar with the modern Gregorian is inaccurate by 50 to 100 years or more, says Geraldo Aldana, Associate Professor of Chicana and Chicano Studies at University of California, Santa Barbara. December 12, 2012 is the end of the calendar of the ancient Mayan civilization of South America. Several scientists and speculators have proposed numerous astronomical alignments to propose that it indicates the end of the civilization of Earth. Aldana, who has conducted research, says Mayan scholars have relied on fixed numerical values called the GMT constant as a means of correlating the dates. But this method has never actually been proved conclusively. Aldana's findings challenged the accepted Gregorian dates of all the classic Mayan historical events as well as the Doomsday 2012 prophecies in a research research work in a book titled Calendars and Years 2, Astronomy and Time in the Ancient and Medieval World. Aldana tried to reconstruct Mayan astronomical records and practices to include the methods used by modern scholars to access the astronomical events viewed by ancient astronomers. One of the principal complications is that there are really so few scholars who know the astronomy, epigraphy, and archaeology, says Aldana, but there are are so few people who are working on that, you get people who don't see the full scope of the problem, and because they don't see the full scope, they buy things they otherwise wouldn't. The GMT constant. The GMT constant is named after the early Mayanists Joseph Goodman, Julian Martez Hernandez, and J. Eric S. Thompson Goodman worked uh, at at the turn of the 20th century and Martinez shortly thereafter, they put heavy emphasis on the dates recovered from the colonial documents written in Mayan languages and recorded in the Latin alphabet, the researcher said in a statement. Thompson did a much more thorough job of addressing uh, as much data as possible, Aldana said. Aldana based his research on the work of Floyd Lounsbury, an American Mayanist scholar who examined the GMT constant by focusing on the data in the Dresden Codex's Venix table, a combination 
calendar, and almanac that charts specific dates related to the movements of Venus. Astronomy has been considered in the past, but none had the had put the emphasis on the Venus table as much as Lounsbury did, explained Aldana. He took the position that this work removed the last obstacle of fully accepting the GMT constant. Others took his work even further, suggesting that he had proved the GMT constant to be correct because of its uh, convenience for specific types of research, etc. The acceptance of the GMT in scholarly circles today is very close to unanimous. Questions Venus Table. Aldana's findings essentially question Lounsbury's conclusions. If the Venus Table cannot be used to prove the GMT, as Lounsbury suggests, it accept its acceptance depends on the reliability of the corroborating data. The rest of the article historically unpacks each element of the corroborating data to show that they are even less stable and or persuasive that that the Venus data and the overall argument behind the GMT constant falls like a stack of cards, he said. Aldana is not the first to question the calendar correlation, but he tried to identify the problems of the GMT constant. Even Russian scholars recently rejected the correlation of Mayan doomsday prophecies, but expect increased solar activity in 2012 that may harm satellites and endangered astronauts. Well, I have no idea what that has to do with anything, but but that's whatever. Um, anyway, so the uh, this article is, as I mentioned, totally sweeping the internet, and I think that we should be careful in saying that this is anything because... Uh, it seems like this has been dealt with by people before in the 2012 world, and uh, until there's more information about it, I would err on the side of caution as I think that it could be more hype than than anything else. A lot of you know people that seem to be good Mayan scholars seem to accept the GMT constant version of events. I mean, it would really need, you'd really need to dig into this guy's, you know, information or whatever to see what he's going to sell a lot of books. That's for sure. Uh, but anyway, it, it just can't be known. I don't think until, until later on, but it seems it has that flavor of a little more hype than anything else. Trust me, I would be happy as anybody else. If, uh, if this thing could be uh, proven wrong, uh, it would be, uh, I think Michael Heiser in his blog Paleo Babble <laughs> said something like, "If I could uh, have be God for a day and have the powers of divinity, I would make the 2012 uh, you know nonsense go away." And one one thing something like that. He said it much more hilarious than that. Okay, so um, the next story we're gonna hit is this one: the G20 leaders weigh new generation of challenges to global. Uh, government from raw story, but I'm reading it from blacklisted news. World leaders examined at the, uh, ex at the weekend frameworks for the global conference ahead of the G20 summit in Seoul with UN chief Ban Ki-moon stressing no single power could tackle key issues alone. Chinese foreign minister Fu Ying told the world policy conference in Marek that we see eye to eye on the challenges and added that we need to find a better way to cooperate to find a partnership. The forum was also addressed by Ban, European Central Bank President Jean-Claude Trichet, EU Commissioner Joaquin Almunia, government ministers and business and social leaders. With the G20 meeting on November 11th and 12th set to be dominated by currency disputes, and the threat of protectionist measures and the WPC theme of global governance and finance, 
the economy and politics was a timely issue. No country or group, no matter how powerful, can take on the major issues of the day, Bond said in his, or take on the major issues of the day alone, Bond said in his address. Uh, Bond discovered three poles of focus, help for the poor and vulnerable, the fight against climate catastrophes and new generation issues like migration, health research, and fight against organized crime and terrorism. Leaders needed to uh, strive in particular for a world economy that works for all people, not just for a fortunate minority, the UN chief said. Almunia said the 27-member European Union had to strengthen its cohesion to contribute to global leadership, but also allow emerging countries in a greater voice in institutions like the International Monetary Fund. Referring to past talks with leaders from China, emerging countries, and the United States, Almunia acknowledged that if Europe, Europe had one position, then it does not need eight Europeans around the table. A sub-forum that focused on the meeting in Korea noted that the issue of overrepresentation of the EU within the G20 needed to be addressed as well. The G20 has emerged at the leading format for global discussion since uh, whatever. The G20 is uh, fast, you know, promoting itself as this uh, this new this new power. And you know, it's really a good gig if you can get it. Um, to say, hey, guess what? We we're gonna rule the world. Um, we're like the new world ruling body, and the UN has sort of been, uh, you know, kind of like that for a while, or at least it, it's it's always about like them trying to position themselves as like a, having having authority. You know, it was such a baby step process. You know, like it started well, we'll just you know go in and you know give them food and stuff like that. And we're just trying to help, and then it's kind of like. Who gets to decide what happens, you know, in this global thing? And they're starting to pass global laws. And, you know, it was just a real baby step process. But these, this G20 certainly is positioning itself as the new um, the new, new kid on the block, although it's not all that new. And it's interesting, of course, to see their, the types of things on their agenda. And it really doesn't matter how much we you know, the climate change stuff or whatever we know is kind of faulty. I mean, that's the stuff that they're passing laws about. You know, we've got to, got to deal with this climate change, guys. We've got all this power. Let's, let's get us into a world economic economy and start dealing with terrorism and, you know, all these sorts of issues, which, um, you know, all seem benevolent, ostensibly, but, uh, all of them have really interesting, um, conclusions logically if you play them out that have to do with uh you know human rights and setting up a global dictatorship basically so they all have a good uh, they all have what's the way i should say this they have the ability to help a global dictatorship all of those issues that they are that they are moving forward and that their agendas are so Again, the Bible uh, says stuff that only now is starting to be true. I mean, can you imagine what you would have to do to that like a long time ago? It's like, well, the Bible talks about global dictatorship and one person's uh, sitting in charge of it, but there was nothing even close to that kind of structure. It seemed so crazy that the entire world could be on board with stuff like uh, financial decisions. You have to buy or sell, have to have this particular mark to buy or sell and these types of things. 
seemed impossible. Now it's not only possible, it's uh, it's moving forward with quite some fervor. Okay, moving on to... What do we got here? What do we got? Going to the Voice of the Martyrs. This one, Iranian pastor sentenced to death. Christians in Iran are reporting that Pastor Youssef Nardakhani has been sentenced to death for what is called thought crime. Pastor Youssef is a leader in the Full Gospel Church of Iran network, which was arrested in October 2009 after protesting a decision by the government requiring that his son study the Quran. Voice of the Martyrs uh, contacts confirmed that the pastor's trial was held in recent weeks in the 11th chamber of the Assisi court of the province of Gilean, but a former verdict has not yet been delivered by the court. If a death sentence is officially handed down and Pastor Yusuf is executed, his would be the first judicial execution of a Christian in Iran in two decades. Pray that God will fill Pastor Yusuf and his family with peace and that they will continue to stand on the world knowing that God protects his children. Pray for those in charge of Pastor Yusuf's case that God would soften their hearts and cause them to overturn their decision. Pray for all Iranian believers who are in custody that they would know God and can use their imprisonment for his glory. Hindu militants beat Christians in Karnataka, India. Suspected Hindu militants recently beat five Christians, including a pregnant woman in Karnataka State, India. Approximately 40 local Hindus barged into new public schools in the district of Kolar, where Christians were gathered together for prayer. Then they attacked five pastors, severely beating them. The assailants also struck Kayia Fernandez, the wife of one of the pastors, in the stomach. Uh, police eventually arrived on the scene, but when the violence ceased, they took the Christian victims into custody instead of arresting the assailant, assailants. Believers were detailed for more than seven hours, during which time they were denied medical treatment. They were released only after Kajina, four months pregnant, began to bleed profusely. She and her husband later received medical treatment. As a result of her injuries, Kajina lost the baby she had been carrying. Uh, pray that God will comfort her, upholding her with his love and hope. Pray that her husband and the other victims of the attack will continue to trust in the Good Shepherd to guide them to encourage them. Psalm 23. Pray that the believers in Karnataka will remain confident in their faith and that their passion for Jesus will be a light that helps lead others to come to know him. Well, that's terrible. Um, but it's, it seems to be par for the course in India. And I, I just keep talking about this on the show, but India is just so interesting. And, and I've read a lot of stories here on Voice of the Martyrs that, that talk about the same scenario. Just ter terrible, awful things happening to Christians. And the police show up and they totally agree with the assailants and the Christians are the ones that get arrested after it's obvious that, you know, they didn't do anything wrong. So there is another one here that talks about, um, a guy getting arrested for showing Christian movies in, uh, predominantly Buddhist areas. And this will conclude the news section for right now. Uh, I don't know. There wasn't a whole lot of news they wanted to talk about, but I've got a lot of other stuff to get to. So, First, a few show notes. Uh, I've been doing a few interviews. People have interviewed me out there, and uh, I'll, I was planning originally to, to play some of them as podcasts, but they just kind of got to be too many, and so I'll just put links in the show notes if you want to listen to them. One was from uh, Black Helicopter Radio. We talked about sleep paralysis and demonic possession and the New World Order and all kinds of 
conspiracy-related stuff or whatever. And so that was a pretty good interview there on Black Helicopter Radio. The second one was with Rob Revere on the uh, Revere Radio Network. We talked about um, UFOs and the media and things like that. It was a pretty, pretty interesting interview. And the third one was with Doc from uh, formerly Hardtail News. Uh, it's now Watchman Radio, I believe. But it's it's a really good interview. We talked about the sacred name uh, movement. And that's that's a that's a pretty interesting show too. It was a great opportunity to talk about the gospel with a lot of his listeners. It was uh, apparently the the biggest show they had this month. It was it was a lot of people in there, so it was a good opportunity not just to talk about the sacred name movement, but also the gospel and stuff like that, and law and grace and stuff like that. So those three interviews I will put there for download in the show notes if you want to uh, if you want to check them out. Uh, let's see, I put a statement of faith on the website. Somebody asked me about that and I was thinking about it right before we received that email. So I just figured the email was kind of confirmation that I should put it up there. Uh, basic stuff for the most part. It's actually kind of hard to think of a statement of faith. So I just found stuff that I agreed with and copy and pasted for the most part and edited a little bit. But, uh, for the most part, that's there, the major issues. And then I put two contentious issues on there too, just to sort of, uh, you know, because people look at the statement of faith, but you know sometimes they want to know stuff that's a little contentious, like what do you believe about the rapture? So I put the the uh, a link to pre wrath rapture uh, ministries there, and uh, also some other stuff I can't remember. Oh yeah, what I v- believe about the new world order and who's behind it. Just a quick paragraph about that stuff. In addition to the the normal statement of faith uh, stuff. Um. Also, what did I do on that? Oh, yeah, prayer. This is something I wanted to mention that uh, that something me and my wife have been doing as far as prayer, and I thought I would mention it to you all because it's been really a helpful uh, thing to to do to be able to pray for more stuff and to and more regularly. The idea behind it was that it seems like you know, every time that we pray, you know, at night or whatever, before we go to bed, it's hard to pray for all the things that you need to pray for. And you know, you've got like all this stuff to pray for people's salvation and, you know, you know, all kinds of different people to pray for and all this stuff, family members and, and you got to pray for work and all these different things. And if you really, it's kind of a daunting task to like sit there and pray for everything. And so if you're really going to do it right, it needs to be like a long, a, a long prayer. But what we did was we came up with like an acronym for each day of the week that uh, at, at, at that day is what we pray for this particular thing. So, for example, Mondays are ministry Mondays. We ta- we pray about the different ministries uh, in addition to we're not, we're not just praying about that, but anything that's on our heart as well. But also uh, the, the focus of that is um Ministries that we generally support or or uh, are thinking about or whatever, missionaries, these kinds of things. Uh, Tuesdays is Togetherness Tuesdays, and, and these were we really worked on these acronyms. The T ones were hard because we had to think about it for a really long time. We were moving them around to to the closest possible matches. But Togetherness Tuesdays was is about um, you know our relationship and our marriage and different things about that aspect of things. Wednesdays are work Wednesdays. We talk about um, things that are work and things that need to, you know, 
happen there, just work-related prayers. Thursdays are Thrifty Thursdays, where we pray, of course, in addition to any other things that are on our heart, we pray about uh, money-related issues and, uh, you know, just praying for our daily bread in that way uh, because, you know, it's that's just uh, an important part of, of prayer, too. Uh, especially reading the George Mueller stuff and really being convicted about that stuff and really just can't recommend that book enough. Um, anyway, Thrifty Thursdays, let's see, Fridays or Family Fridays. That is obvious what we pray for there, family members and the things that they need and, and all kinds of stuff. Saturdays are Social Saturdays. That is where we pray for friends and different friends' needs and things like that. And Sundays are Salvation Sundays, where we pray for those people that, that need salvation and everything like that. So, to recap, Ministry Mondays, Togetherness Tuesdays, Work Wednesdays, Thrifty Thursdays, Family Fridays, Social Saturdays, and Salvation Sundays. And it has really been keeping us on the ball about praying. It's like, hey, it's time to pray. It's Thrifty Thursday. So I just thought I'd pass that along. The David Icke research is going really well. Um, there is so much to do with it. I feel like it's just this mountain of, uh, of stuff. But it's coming along pretty good. Some of the days have been like just spiritual boxing matches. It feels like uh, just getting totally beat up. But uh, then those days are also come with a lot of refreshing, too. There's a, so it's this, it's like back and forth sort of boxing match. I had a dream the other night that, like, there was this massive, like, huge demon that was, like, sitting down in this, like, Roman arena. And it was sitting down, like, talking with some other people and stuff like, hey, what's going on? And then I uh, walked over there and I started praying against it. And it, like, uh, it stood up and it was like extra super big and it was trying to punk me out like the prayer didn't even affect it, but I felt like it was. And uh, then it was like challenging me, it's like trying to punk me out. And I was pretty punked out. I mean, I felt like, oh my gosh, maybe prayer isn't working or whatever. But then I just started charging after it and praying, uh, you know, against it in the name of Jesus and, you know, and commanding it to be bound. And like in the dream, it was like, just started crashing and fell down and everything and it was really awesome but then i woke up uh so but anyway I, that is not to do with anything i was about to say but the david ike stuff is pretty cool i got a i got a book here his first book truth vibrations he he no longer sells this one on his website um and this is before he like went before his Peru experience, where he was like, in my opinion, totally fully possessed, but this is—he's still channeling entities here, and he's—he's really—it is so new age. It's unbelievable how thick and new age this book is. I mean, he talks about—I mean, I can barely get through it. It's so ridiculous about some of the stuff he talks about. But um, there's another book that I just ordered that he doesn't even offer on his site anymore. He calls it, uh, he, he hates this that book, and it should be in pretty soon. It's not even, this one on his website is there, but it says out of stock. The one I just ordered, he doesn't even have listed, so I can't wait to see what's in it. It's 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 his account of right after he, um, you know, got totally possessed, in my opinion. But interesting, I'll, give, I'll read some excerpts from this book that I have here. 
you know, he always talks about that experience where he uh, went to the psychic and the psychic threw her head back and she said, this is a powerful one and told him that he was going to be this great person and write all these books. He doesn't always mention, though, apparently, who this person was. He says, uh, he, was a, he was Chinese in appearance and the description of his dress was subsequently confirmed as that of a Mandarin. He said his last life on Earth was around A.D. 1200, the right time for such a costume, and he gave his name as Wang Yi Li and added, Socrates is with me. Over the next ten minutes, Betty paraphrased the astonishing information Wang w uh, was asking her to pass on to me. And he said cool things like this. Taking oil... Uh, from the seabed is destabilizing the inner earth. The center of the earth will move and the poles will change and the sea spirits will rise and stop men taking oil. Okay, great. Well, that's that's interesting, but uh, not as interesting as some of the other... Um, here, here's one of the cool predictions that uh, old, Wang, what it, old Wang had to say. Uh, electric cars will be used in eight years' time. This was in 1990, actually. 91 was when this was published. So, e Electric cars will be used in eight years' time. In 20 years, there will be a different kind of flying machine, very different from aircraft of today. Time will have no meaning. When you, when you want to be, you will be. Mm -hmm. So it seems like uh, old Wang... Had a, but David Ike here later on in this book says that uh, uh, you know time is kind of hard for these spirits to get right. You know their, their view of time is so different than ours, so you shouldn't really expect it to be right on target. But he does say in that same whole that same thing. But you know basically the decade is correct, but you know it might be one or two years off. But so he goes on to say that. Um, let's see some other gems here. This is one I thought was pretty interesting. It says. Soon after this, the, quote, I appeared. One evening I was lying on my bed in a hotel room when I closed my eyes and there, forming out of the darkness, was the shape of an eye. It was there for a split second at first before disappearing, but gradually it became permanent. Within a week I was seeing eyes everywhere whenever I looked. Betty Sheen had said in her book that, that she experienced the same thing. She said it was a sign that psychic powers were developing. Um, what this takes, the form of an eye will become apparent. I also uh, led to a stream of books on by Edgar Casey, blah, blah, blah. And, man, this, uh, as he gets into this, he's so new age. It is such new age drivel, especially if you're coming to somebody that says he, you know, he doesn't like the new age or whatever. Um, and he's, to his credit, he says about this book, uh, he may even made revisions. This is in '93. He made this is where this this particular revision of this book came out. He apparently changed some stuff in it. So who knows what he changed? But um, the he says that this is his his process is a stage of development. So this isn't like representative of his views now. Uh, so he's kind of got an out there. We can say, well, this is my, my all that new age stuff. I've changed my my view, and you know, I no longer believe that stuff. Because in this view, in this particular view, he totally believes in Jesus, and he goes into that and and and, and all this stuff. He just thinks a really weird, weird, super weird version of him. Um, but now, of course, his position is very is the zeitgeist position that Jesus never existed as a person. It was just a, a you know a solar um, you know amalgamation of different things. Uh, but but what I think is important about this book is not is the stuff that he can't change, which is Wang Yi Li said thus, you know, because the point I'm trying to make is that Wang Yi Li and who's talking to David Ike 
doesn't know what they're talking about and they're lying and they have a specific agenda and this book is filled with what that agenda is but nevertheless uh here's another one this is interesting it says uh, another time I was on a holiday in Venice when I visited an island in Burano, which is famous for its lace making. I wandered into a church of the San, of San Mar, Martino and, and stood looking up at a large painting of Christ. As, as I looked, the picture turned black and moved around before my eyes. Only the face of Christ was still. Suddenly I felt a sensation I can only describe as someone pushing a pneumatic drill into the top of my head. A, I gr- uh, Gripped the pew, I was standing beside and my body vibrated from the top of my head to the base of my spine as something seemed to go through me. It lasted for maybe half a minute, and when it stopped, my eyes focused again and the painting went back to normal. Months later, I was told that this has been the, the moment I received the gift of energy from one of the masters of this planetary system. Right. They picked a really interesting time to do that. Interesting thing about these masters he's talking about here. He is... Absolutely, even to the point of quoting the Alice Bailey, Alice Bailey Rakorsky, which is, uh, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. But anyway, he quotes, he, he's talking about the same ascended masters as Alice Bailey, which today he, he, he basically says that they're demons. Um, he, he, I've got all kinds of quotes of him, like pointing to the ascended masters of them and saying that that's such ridiculous, uh, stuff. But, Everything that he is saying in this book is exactly talking about literally the same ascended masters, same names, every every detail of the theology of who these things are and what they're saying to him are the ascended masters of Alice Bailey. Absolutely. Um, and I've also got a really cool quote of him saying, look, I don't know who these things are that are contacting me, and I don't care. It's like, hmm. He basically says, I'll find out when I die. Oh, good plan. Um Okay, let's see what we got here. And I and actually I'm going to email uh or excuse me, interview Russ Dizdar. I haven't told him about this yet, but I'm going to uh interview him and ask him about uh, I've got about 20 questions that I need sound bites from him to use in the uh film whenever I get around to that, which is going to be a long time. Um okay, here is an interesting one. Now this is this is pretty pretty serious because especially considering his recent position uh, that Jesus doesn't exist, and and he's again he's got the out of saying, well, yeah, I mean, my my I was developing my thoughts, you know, I still had some belief because of my paradigm, you know, I still believe Jesus existed, so it was kind of working through my paradigm through a glass darkly and all this stuff, but that that doesn't that doesn't work when you've got direct channeled information about this stuff. So here's what he says: he says, uh, my own feeling and what I have channeled and seen. And he describes this in scene as in quotes because he was talking about a vision that he's about to describe. Leads me to believe strongly that he survived. Speaking of Jesus dying on the cross. I had a very strong vision of Jesus on the cross. During that vision, I was with Jesus, experiencing what he felt. He experienced great pain in his hands and wrists, and he was utterly exhausted. I then saw a pole being raised with a cloth, which was offered to his mouth. From this, he took a drink. Soon after this, he appeared to lose consciousness. And when he woke, he was lying with people all around him, attending to his wounds. They were all in white. I remember it was uh, clear that Jesus was in a state of shock. He whispered, I live, I live, as though he had expected to have left the physical body. 
I had other visions and channeling, which together gave me this overall picture of what actually happened 2,000 years ago. Now, he goes into great detail about these. Joseph of Arimathea had per, had persuaded the authorities to give the crucifixion to his hand. He believes Joseph was his dad, and he's got this whole theology that uh, is based on these visions and his channeling about Jesus. So it's pretty much like uh, an open and shut case there. Like, which is it? You know, were the spirits lying, or are you are you lying now? Um, because it's not, you know, this is pretty pretty intense of a vision that you're having that's basically uh, doing what spirits always do, try to downgrade Jesus. Oh, he didn't die he for your sins. That's crazy. He never actually died. Muslims believe that too, as you may or may not know. Um, and just a quick thing about the whole the whole ridiculousness of the drug being given to him on the stick. It is possible, and I think that it's possible that they were attempting the first time with a sponge uh, to give him a drink uh uh, the the myrrh thing, the myrrh mixture, was probably a drug to reduce his pain, not to make him appear dead. Uh, and he refused that sponge. And the second sponge that's given to him is not described that way. It's described as sort of a sour wine, uh, probably Im- intended to refresh him. The uh, interesting thing about that one is that actually the second one, the, the one with the wine, is when he took a drink and said it is finished afterwards. And that is because uh, the Passover would not end until the leader of the Passover drank uh, the wine, and uh, that would conclude the end of the Passover. And it makes a mention of that in the uh, we're talking in the Last Supper that Jesus is clearly going through the the accepted sort of traditional way to go through the Passover meal, where he's the head of the table and everything, and he doesn't drink the last cup. And so the Passover, that Passover meal that they were eating never actually ended. Um, keep in mind, the Passover, of course, is the death of the Passover lamb and everything that he did. He entered Jerusalem that exact same day that, that the people chose their Passover lamb and kept it in their house for three and a half days and then slaughtered it on three and a half days the exact same time that he was slaughtered. And him, by him taking that last drink and saying it is finished was actually... Um, you know, the conclusion of the Passover and he did refuse the other one. So it's, you know, of course this is ridiculous and the demons probably knew that, but David didn't. Um, okay. So let's move on to another quote here. Okay. This is uh Rakorsky. Now this is the, the, the ascended master that uh, is unique to Alice Bailey and a few things here. It would, that would appear to be a description of how the axis shift would look and feel in those on, to those on Earth at this time. A session with Rakorsky and member of his team communicated through Joan in Wales that gave us an explanation of that least part, blah, blah, blah. Um, Rakorsky and his team said the pole shift and axis tilt would happen in the etheric blueprint in autumn 1994, or if we help the Earth between now and then, autumn 1995. The latter date would be better because it would cause less damage. This, in turn, would lead to a pole shift and axis tilt on the physical body, the one we see and live on, in either 1998 or 1999. It was due to be an axis movement of 10%, but thanks to recent improvement in human thought patterns, it is now due to be 5%. And it's really, really easy to to show this pole shift nonsense to be uh, false. And even if we were in complete free fall, it would take about you know, at least a thousand years for us to reach pull shift uh, uh, ability. 
I guess is a way to say it. And finally, this one. Let's see here. Oh, yeah, just really New Age stuff. In the New Age, we'll all have the power to create a new Atlantis. We'll be given tremendous help and support from the entire solar system and beyond. We will also be able to manifest and demanifest matter through sound. We will be able to levitate. We will be able to use telepathy. As we now use the telephone, we will be in communication with animals, divas, which are demons, uh, earth spirits. He goes in this book about all kinds of stuff. And extraterrestrials healing uh, will be by natural methods, and we will have little need for surgery. Colors and energy frequencies and the vibrations quicken, so colors will become sharper, more brilliant, and there will be more shades, and we will have more sounds from our music and there will be no need to use fossil fuels and we'll discover other sources of energy. This goes on and on, but this can all be ours. Um, so anyways, this is before it got crazy and imagine how crazy this is, how and the crazy spirits that he's in contact with. I've got an interview with him that talks about the cornucopia of spirits that he is in contact with and, and all this stuff, but I can't wait to get the next book and see why exactly he hates that book and, and doesn't have it on his uh, shelf. And, and the thing about it is, it doesn't matter if he says, you know, that's a part of my development, it's all totally wrong, I can't believe that I was so wrong, even if he takes that position, which he doesn't necessarily do, he basically sa- says this still represents him. But And, and you can see that in his in his modern um, his modern stuff. He's still talking about stuff like the earth spirit being alive and, and mad that we're taking oil from it and it's going to come back and, and kill us and stuff like that. Same thing that Al Gore believes, but it's just no disconnect or just total disconnect from that. He's, he's a guy that, you know, of course makes fun of Al Gore and says that the earth, uh, that the climate change thing is wrong uh, and that data is wrong. And, you know, he calls Al says Al Gore is a blood drinking, you know, Satanist, but yet his view and Al Gore's view on Gaia are pretty much exactly the same. And, and uh, you know, David's view on Gaia is the same with just about every New World Order individual that has a, you know, a religious bent. Uh, a public religious bent, anyway. Um, okay, so that's that. That's a long way um, uh, in advance. I mean, I've got a, I've got a lot to do there. So continue to pray for me for the David Icke stuff, and uh, I really, really do need it. When when I have uh, time to to do all this stuff, it's just it's just really always uh, overwhelming. Another project that is paralleling all this stuff is something I want to talk about right now, which is the study of Matthew twenty four, and this is something we're going to be starting this Monday on verse by verse Bible teaching. Is going to be doing a verse by verse study of Matthew twenty four. But in the process of doing this, um, I st- I, I, I've talked about this uh, previously. Excuse me. That um, I wanted to take all the three synoptics, which are the, basically you know Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the ones that are uh, pretty similar, and take all of the the chapters that are basically Matthew twenty four, which is Matthew twenty four, Luke twenty one, and Mark thirteen, and wanted to take what's different about them and sort of merge them into one chapter. And so I can make sure I'm not missing anything, any of the details, because there's some very interesting differences in them, um, or mo- mostly not differences as much as things added, you know, different details that are not in, let's say, Matthew 24. And they help, I believe, give a better picture. And in addition to this, I think uh, since Revelation chapter 6 is such an obvious parallel to Matthew 24, that I just merged that with it as well. And then, 
Daniel chapter 11 and 12 are also um, clearly a part of this same chronology, so I merged uh, that, that as well, or at least parts of it. And then I found Joel 2 and Zechariah 14, which are also parts of the same chronology, so I merged Joel 2 and Zechariah 14. And I came up with this huge thing uh, that is, I think, an extremely clear picture of Matthew 24. And I, as I kept doing it, I kept being like, this is important. This is really serious. This is really, really important because it, it, the correlations are so uh, profound. Um, the The only thing that I would say is that the, it, it's a little too limited with Matthew 24 because Matthew 24, in my opinion, is is kind of what... It's describing the end of the uh, the time of the Gentiles being fulfilled. It's 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 clear that when you look at the correlation in Revelation chapter six, that this whole Matthew twenty four basically ends with the sixth seal, or right around there. Um, but then the chronology in the seventh seal, you see the opening of the trumpets which is a clear indication that there's a chronology that the trumpets are are literally after the seals because the seals the last seal this the seventh seal is the revealing of the trumpets and similarly the trumpets with the bulls so you have a unbreakable chronology there i think it, extremely intentionally but the problem is is that Matthew 24 then is just really speaking of the first part uh up until revelation chapter 6 so uh, I mean, that's where it stops. Uh, stops. I mean, it, it couldn't be any more clear. The moon becomes blood. The you know the sun is darkened as black as sackcloth. The stars fall from heaven and there are great earthquakes. I mean, that's the exact same thing said in both of them. And I would submit also in Joel 2 and and uh, in all these other places and, and Daniel and blah, blah, blah down the line. So the other thing, though, is that Revelation chapter 7, the next chapter, is really where a lot of the other Old Testament stuff really start paralleling there. Because that's when the 12 tribes uh, are sealed for their ministry. So as soon as what happens in, in, in the sixth seal, which I believe is uh, uh, the rapture, right before the wrath, at the end of the sixth seal, it says, Behold, now the wrath of God has come. So as soon as the church is out of there, becomes now this, this wrath period, the time of Jacob's trouble, which is talked extensively about. So you could parallel, at that point, the rest of Revelation, starting with Revelation chapter 7, even more clearly with what happens in Daniel, in uh, Joel 2, and Zechariah 14, these Old Testament uh, chronologies that are paralleling it. So so Matthew 24 is is great for this parallel thing that I'm about to read this version of Matthew 24, but know that there's more to the story. The parallel continues, but in order to continue, you don't go to Matthew 25, you go to Revelation chapter 7, and that's when you start reading that with the chronology of, of the rest of the stuff in Joel 2, Zechariah 14, uh, and, 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 and on and on. And I'm sure there's many other places, but uh, like I said, I mean, a lot of these are just, just you know, came out uh, as I was doing this study. So I'm going to read this, and I, I, the study that we do in verse by verse is probably not going to use, I mean, it's going to utilize this uh, chart, and I think I'm going to put this chart in the show notes too so you can see the different uh, color-coded uh, version, what what is changed and where, so you can kind of see the, the what I'm doing here when I read this. Um, and 
but I, I'm just going to do a regular verse by verse for Matthew 24, but but using a lot of this stuff too. So, but I thought before I do this, I'm just going to read here the entire uh, the entire Matthew 24 with the merged stuff from Revelation 6, Luke 21, Mark 13, Daniel 11 and 12. Uh, Joel 2, Zechariah 14. So here is the reading of Matthew 24 in this, uh, this compilation. Verse 1. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and one of his disciples came to him for to show him what manner of stones and the buildings of the temple. And as some spake of the temple, how it was adorned with goodly stones and gifts. Verse 2. And Jesus answering said unto them, See ye not all of these things? Verily I say unto you, that the days will come in which there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. Verse 3. And he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples, Peter, James, John, and Andrew, came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming, and what sign will there be when these things shall come to pass, shall be fulfilled, and of the end of the world? Verse 4. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. Verse 5. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And the time draweth near, go ye not therefore after them. Verse 6. And when ye shall hear of wars and commotions and rumors of wars, see that ye not be troubled or terrified. For all these things must needs first come to pass, but the end shall not be yet by and by. And I saw and behold a white horse, and he that sat on him had a bow, and a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. Verse 7. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there went out another horse that was red, and power was given unto him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth, and that they should kill one another, and there was given unto him a great sword. And there shall be famines. And when he had opened up the third seal, I heard the third beast say, Come and see. And I beheld, and lo, a black horse, and he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny. And see that thou hurt not the oil and the wine, and pestilences, and troubles. And I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and his name that sat on him was Death, and Hell followed with him. And power was given unto him over the fourth of part of the earth, to kill with the sword, and with hunger, and with death, and with the beasts of the earth, and earthquakes in diverse places, and fearful sights, and great signs shall there be from heaven. Verse 8. All these things are the beginnings of sorrows. Verse 9. But take heed to yourselves, for then... They shall before all these things lay their hands on you and persecute you and deliver you up to councils, synagogues, and into prisons, being brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake, to be afflicted, beaten, and they shall kill you, and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. It will be for a testimony against them. And they, and when they opened the fifth seal, I heard under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God, and for the testimony which they held. And it shall turn to you for a testimony. Settle it therefore in your hearts, not to take thought beforehand, nor to meditate before what ye shall answer, but whatsoever shall be given you in that hour, that speak ye, for 
It is not ye that speak, but the Holy Ghost. For I will give you a mouth of wisdom, which all your adversaries shall not be able to gainsay nor resist. But there shall not a hair on your head perish, in your patience possess ye your souls. Verse 10. And then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. And ye shall be betrayed by both by parents and brethren to death, and kinsfolk, and friends, and the father, the son, and children shall rise up against their parents, and some of you shall they cause to be put to death. Verse 11. And many false prophets shall rise, and shall deceive many. Verse 12. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Verse 13. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? And the white robes were given unto them, every one of them, and it was said unto them that they should rest ye for a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren, that they should be killed as they were, should be fulfilled. Many shall be purified and made white and tried, but the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. Verse 14, And this gospel of the kingdom must first be preached or published in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. Verse 15, And when ye shall see Jerusalem compassed with armies, then know that the desolation thereof is nigh. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place where it ought not, whoso readeth let him understand, and arms shall stand on his part, and they shall pollute the sanctuary of strength, and shall take away the daily sacrifice, and then shall place the abomination that maketh desolate. And from that time the daily sacrifice shall be taken away, and the abomination that maketh desolate set up. There shall be a thousand two hundred and ninety days. Blessed is he that waiteth and cometh to the, to the thousand three hundred and five and thirty days. Verse 16. Then let them which be or are in Judea flee to the mountains. Verse 17, Let them which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Verse 18, Neither let them which is in the field return back to take his clothes, and let them which are in the midst of it depart out, and let not them that are in the countries enter thereinto. Verse 19, And woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days. Verse 20, But pray ye that your flight be not in winter, neither on the Sabbath day. For these be the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. Verse 21. For then shall be great tribulation and affliction in the land, and wrath upon this people, such as was not since the beginning of the world, which God created to this time, no, nor ever shall be. And they shall fall by the edge of the sword, and shall be led away captive into all nations, and Jerusalem shall be trotted down of the Gentiles, until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people. And there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation, even to that same time. Blow ye the trumpet in Zion, and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord cometh. For it is nigh at hand, a day of darkness and of gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, as the morning spread upon the mountains, a great people and a strong, there hath not been ever the like, neither shall be any more after it, even to the years of many generations. Verse 22. 
And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved, but for the elect's sake whom he hath chosen, those days shall be shortened. Fire devoureth before them, and behind them a flame burneth. The land is as the garden of Eden before them, and behind them a desolate wilderness. Yea, and nothing shall escape them. The appearance of them is as the appearance of horses, and as horsemen, so shall they run. Like the noise of chariots on the tops of mountains shall they leap, like the noise of a flame of fire that devoureth the stubble, as strong people set in the battle array. Before their face the people shall be much pained, all the faces shall gather blackness. They shall run like mighty men, they shall climb the wall like men of war, they shall march every one on his ways, and they shall not break their ranks. Neither shall one thrust another, they shall walk every one in his path, and when they fall upon the sword, they shall not be wounded. They shall run to and fro from the city, they shall run upon the wall, they shall climb up the houses, they shall enter in at the windows like a thief. And such as do wickedly against the covenant shall he corrupt by flatteries. But the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits, and they that understand among the people shall instruct many, yet they shall fall by the sword, and by flame, by captivity, and by spoil many days. Now when they shall fall, they shall be holden, holpen with a little help, but many shall cleave to them with flatteries, and some of them of understanding shall fall to try them, and to purge them, and to make them white, even to the time of the end, because it is yet for a time appointed. Verse 23. Then, if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. Verse 24. For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that, if it were possible, they shall deceive or seduce the very elect. Verse 25. But take heed, behold, I have told you before. Verse 26. Wherefore, if they shall say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chambers. Believe it not. Verse 27. For as the lightning come out of the east, and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Verse 28. For wheresoever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together. Verse 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of that are in the heavens shall be shaken and upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity the sea and the waves roaring and i beheld when he had opened the sixth seal and lo there was a great earthquake and the sun became as black as sackcloth of hair and the moon became as blood and the stars of heaven fell into the earth even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs when she is shaken of a mighty wind and the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together and every mountain and island are moved out of their places. The earth shall quake before them, the heavens shall tremble, the sun and the moon shall be dark, and the stars shall withdraw their shining. And I will show you wonders in the heaven and in the earth, blood and fire, and the pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, and the moon into blood, before the great and terrible day of the, of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered for in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as the Lord has said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. This next part in the chronology is not found in Matthew 24, but in Luke 21, 
Revelation 6 and Joel 2, it says, Men's hearts failing them for fear, and looking after those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the rich men, and the chief captains, and the mighty men, and every bondman, and every free man, hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains, and said to the mountains and the rocks, Fall on us, and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? And the Lord shall utter his voice before his army, for his camp is very great, for he is strong that executeth his word, for the day of the Lord is great and very terrible, and who can abide it? Therefore also now, saith the Lord, turn ye even to me with all your heart, and with your fasting, and with weeping, and with mourning. Verse 30, And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift your heads, for the redemption draweth nigh. Verse 31. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from the uttermost parts of the earth, and from one end of heaven to the other. Blow the trumpet in Zion, sanctify a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the people, sanctify the congregation, Assemble the elders, gather the children, and those that suck the breasts. Let the bridegroom go forth of his chamber, and the bride out of her closet. Verse 32. Now learn a parable of the fig tree, and all the trees. When his or her branches yet tender, and putteth forth leaves, ye see and ye know that summer is nigh at hand. Verse 33. So likewise ye, when ye shall see all these things come to pass, Know that the kingdom of God is near, even at the doors. Verse 34. Verily I say unto you, that this generation shall not pass away till all these things be fulfilled. 35. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. 36. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, neither the Son, but my Father only. Verse 37. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Verse 38. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark. Verse 39. And they knew not until the flood came and took them away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Verse 40. Then shall two be in the field, one shall be taken, and the other left. Verse 41. Two women shall be grinding at the mill, one shall be taken, and the other left. Verse 42. Watch therefore and pray, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come, and pray always that ye may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass, and to stand before the Son of Man. Verse 43. But know this, that if the good men of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched, and he would have not suffered his house to be broken up. Verse 44, Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. For the Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey, who left his house and gave authority to his servants, and to every man his work, and commanded the potter, the porter to watch. Watch ye therefore, for ye know not when the master of the house cometh, at even, or at midnight, or at the cock crowing, or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping, and what I say unto you, I say unto all, watch. Verse 45. Who then is a faithful and wise servant, whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household to give them meat in due season? Verse 46. Blessed is that servant 
whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. 47. Verily I say unto you, then shall make him ruler over all his goods. 48. But if that evil servant shall say in his heart, My Lord delayeth his coming, 49, and shall begin to smite his fellow servants, and to eat and drink with the drunken, and take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with suffering and drunkenness and the cares of life, and so that that day come upon you unawares. 50. The Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him, and in an hour that he is not aware, for as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. 51. And shall cut him asunder, and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites, and there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Okay, so that's pretty interesting, and if you want to see that in written form, check the website, and I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Um, thanks to everybody for their prayers, uh, and continue to do so for me. It's just been a really busy uh, series of weeks here, just a lot of stuff to do, but I don't, I don't want to discourage anybody from, from emailing or about any of your uh, you know issues or questions or anything like that. That's what I want to spend more time doing, and that's one of the reasons I am so busy is because I do want to answer your emails, especially about things like that. Um, I know a lot of us don't really have churches that we can go to and pastors that we can talk to about, but this is an important part of our lives is to ask questions of this nature and to, to have somebody you can go to to ask questions like that. So I want to be that for you if you don't have any, um, if you don't have anybody like that. And a good format is just to ask any email and, uh, it goes right to the top of the list. And, uh, and so if you have stuff like that, don't hesitate to write. You can do that at nowhere to run 1984 at gmail.com or just go to my website, nowhere to run radio.com. Okay, everybody, I'll talk to you next week. See you later. Thanks for listening to Nowhere to Run. You can download all of the archives to this show and others I've done for free at NowhereToRunRadio.com. Your prayers and donations are needed and appreciated. You can partner with me to reach many more people with discipleship, apologetics, and the gospel. Go to Nowhere to Run Radio to help support this ministry. Thanks for your time. <laughs>